Verizon brings you Pay It Forward Live, a weekly live stream featuring big names in entertainment to support small businesses. Tune in every Tuesday and Thursday on at Verizon's Twitter or Twitch, Yahoo and Fios Channel 501 at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Welcome to This Feels Terrible, the podcast. I am your host, Aaron McGathy. How are you? How the hell are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. <laughs> Just ask myself how I am. Um, yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm feeling. I'm feeling really good. Uh, this is a very exciting episode of This Feels Terrible because um, you are getting. Uh, a two a two parter here. Um, this is an interview episode. I have uh, the lovely and amazing Genevieve Pearson on. You know her from King of the Nerds. You know her from her uh, from her books that she's written. If you don't know her, you will. <laughs> she's she's great. Her husband made a cute engagement video of their engagement that's a dumb that's a dumb credit i'm sorry genevieve that's not one of your like hi uh, how do you how do you want me to introduce you well please mention the cute video that my husband made for his uh his proposal um backing up it sounds like i'm not doing great but i am i'm doing great i am spiraling as i am recording this interview. No, I'm not spiraling. I say that too frequently. I'm not spiraling. I'm having a great afternoon. Producer Dustin uh, came over after I, I did some, uh, I did some, some gardening. I, I picked out some, some plants for the uh, backyard in preparation for spending more time out in the backyard. Um, Cause we're, uh, I will have a dog on Saturday and I plan on being in the yard all the time. So I decided it was time to get some lavender and a persimmon tree which is what I did. I also got a big container of ladybugs and I waited to release them um, until producer Dustin could come over and could, could watch the release of the, of the ladybugs into the garden. Um, I don't know if it was a good idea to get a bunch of ladybugs. I just know that it is, it makes me feel like God that you can buy a box of ladybugs at the, uh, at the, at the nursery and release them into your yard. It's so crazy. All these ladybugs. And they're good luck. I mean, it was, it, there was so much luck just everywhere. They were all over me. I couldn't meet. I, I, I eventually got very sick of the luck and wanted them to go away and fly away. Uh, but yeah, ladybug day. Um, also met an Irish gentleman named O'Sullivan, who I believe will change my life. He, uh, He's a he's a handyman who helped me get rid of all the black widows in the um, in the garage. Real exciting. <laughs> Remember when I said this was a really exciting episode of the podcast, and then I started talking about how I hired someone to clean the spiders out of my garage. Um, yeah, more on O'Sullivan later. Um, I'm going to uh, I'm going to have him on the podcast anyway. This is a very exciting episode because it is a. Um, 
I don't want to say cross promotional. I guess that's what it is technically, but that's not really how I'm thinking about it. Um, my friends, uh, Jacob Reed and Justin Michael, who are performers over at the UCB Theater, uh, also also known as the sketch group Tremendosaur, they have an awesome podcast called Before You Were Funny, um, which you should absolutely check out if you're not already are already listening to it it's uh it's a it's a great podcast where they have uh they have people bring in um old sketches poems scripts etc and they uh and they they do the show live at the ucb theater and i um they asked me to do the show a couple weeks ago and i went on the i went on the search for um for some old sketches and i came across these very embarrassing scenes that I had written, uh, which I I think the best way to describe them is that they were fan fiction for my own life. I I wrote these scenes when I was a sophomore in high school. I had a huge crush on my, on my English teacher and I wrote them with him in mind, thinking that the two of us would like perform them someday or something. But, um, there, uh, I won't say anything more about it. We're going to play you, the um the other performers on the show that were also reading their embarrassing material who who you'll hear reading reading my stuff um are uh Joe Wangert uh, he's a writer for the Krull show and uh and he's a very funny stand-up comedian and um Tim Simmons who's uh who's on Veep who plays um Jonah on Veep he's also super funny so uh yeah sit back and enjoy that um enjoy that happening it's happening. This is not. This was not meant to be comedy. Um, when I, this is from my sophomore year of high school, uh, I uh, two pieces of information that are that are pertinent to this. Um, I was in love with my English teacher, <laughs> and my mom had cancer. <laughs> Get ready, everybody. Uh, <laughs> do, do you need to have some stack wine before we do this? <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. Um, so my, I, I was in love with my English teacher, and we would, whenever we read a play in class, he would always cast me as the female lead, and he would read the male lead. And uh, he, he told me a couple of times, like, Aaron, you really should write a play. So what this scene is, is this is me writing a scene for this play that in my fantasy world, me and my teacher would, uh, we'll call him Mr. Brown, me and Mr. Brown would, would, would do together. Like this would be us in this play that we would perform together. Did this and ever get read or no? This or has anything? never seen the light of day. I just found this in my old email draft folder. No one's ever read this. This is this is basically fanfic for my own life. Also, uh, <laughs> I um, I had never kissed anyone. Never, never, never anything. So this is. Uh, this is this is this is me at 15 years old or oh, at 14 years old. <clears throat> it's gonna be great. <laughs> Diane, Mr. Phillips is here a little early for his 9:30. <laughs> Should I send him in or tell him to wait? Uh, Mr. Phillips, go ahead and send him in. Diane unbuttons her Oxford. <laughs> <God damn it. laughs> Diane unbuttons her Oxford shirt and lets down her Egyptian plum hair. Hold on a second. What does that mean? Egyptian? <laughs> Egyptian and plum are that, both capitalized. Uh, yes. Egyptian plum was the name of my hair dye that I dyed my hair, and my teacher, Mr. Brown, said that I looked really good with that hair, and I said, oh, well, it's Egyptian plum. So then every time I saw him after I dyed my hair, I was like, Egyptian plum. <laughs> I don't think I've ever explained anything on stage with having to close my eyes. <laughs> 
yes, Egyptian plum was the color of my hair at the time. I guess that's important. Uh, Diana buttons her Oxford shirt <laughs> and lets down her Egyptian plum hair, puts on lipstick and her signature perfume. Hmm. I don't want to derail it too much, but with the Egyptian plum, was this, were you trying to like plant a seed like, oh, remember that? Like, was it kind of a... Um, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know. I think, I think I wasn't very self-aware. So it's possible that I was like, well, this is the most beautiful color of hair, this Egyptian plant, which is basically that maroon color that, uh, that Latina teenagers dye their hair. Latinagers. Uh, yeah. Latinagers. Yeah. Uh, my hair was basically purple. And uh, signature perfume, that's because I didn't wear perfume, but I was like, well, a woman should have a signature perfume. <laughs> that's why that's the less specific thing. <laughs> uh, come on in. Mr. Phillips walks in. Oh, Diane feigning surprise. Oh, Alex, you are here early. What a pleasant surprise. Good morning, Diane. <laughs> if you'd like to take a seat, we can pick up where we left on Tuesday. Actually, I came a little early to let you know I can't see you anymore. Oh, uh, as a licensed professional, I don't think I agree that you are ready to stop treatment at this time. Diane! <laughs> I don't want to make this any more awkward than it already is. But I'm not stopping therapy altogether. I'm just going to be seeing a different therapist. And how long have you felt this way? <sighs> I don't know. Alex, I... Ever since our session two weeks ago... Alex, that was an experimental treatment that is all the rage... <laughs> that is all the rage in Sweden. The most was... exotic place in the world! <laughs> it's helping hundreds of people with your condition. Oh, my God. <laughs> Diane, I can't even remember what my condition is. I forgot why I came to this creme de menthe colored office in the first place. So in your, in your, in your mind when you were writing this, so you, he would have you play like the female lead in plays. Or in, when, yeah, or, so yeah. In my mind, he would be the guy. He would be this adult man, and I would be his his therapist. And you would read this in front of the class? No, this was never read. This was the the idea was that I was going to present this play and say like I found a I have a play for us to star in together. Like I followed up on what you meant. Yeah, I I see what you were doing, uh, Mr. Brown. Let's let's do this play together. That was the idea. And I and I I don't um, when I wrote this, I remember being like, yeah, yeah, ooh, wow, so adult, so yeah, ooh, yeah. <laughs> When he reads this, um, yeah, but no one's no one's ever read that. It does feel like a sophisticated fourteen-year-old girl tried to write porn. <laughs> <laughs> I think succeeded, didn't try. So that depending I'm not, on where it goes. So that I'm not lost. It's like a green-colored office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, clearly, I just I just learned the phrase "creme de menthe." I just learned what that meant. Sorry, but not that that's a phrase. Yeah, creme de menthe. So it's, it's like a light green. Whatever, guys. This is the cool, this is the best. <laughs> Alex, calm down. Breathe. <sighs> try closing your eyes. You're here, aren't you? <laughs> Why don't we try picking up where we left off last week? The logic. <laughs> if you still want to fire me as your therapist by the end of this session, I won't charge, and <laughs> but you can leave. <laughs> Well, I, I do have time to kill. 
<laughs> I guess it can't do any harm. <laughs> okay, good. Last week we were talking about your wife and her displacing negative emotions on you. Oh my God, I just remembered that my teacher was going through a divorce at this time. Ooh. Right, well, this week she was stressing out about her mom. Mm. Last night she was finishing up the dishes. I offered to help and she just snapped at me. No regard for your feelings. No, none whatsoever. <laughs> she does this all the time? She's so stressed. Well, I know that if I really loved someone, I wouldn't put them through all of that. No! Come on! <laughs> What do you mean? Well, if my mother was dying, spelled D I E I N G. Good on I the French, but yeah. And I was in a relationship with someone I love, I wouldn't treat them that way. Uh, Alex turns red and stares at the chocolate-covered carpet. <laughs> colored carpet, not covered. Everything's got a really specific color. <laughs> chocolate-colored carpet. His eyes start to water. Diane comes around from behind her desk and sits on the front edge, facing Slex. <laughs> Which I guess I meant to write Alex, but a uh, uh, typo. Slex. My brain went to typo for Lex, and I thought Lex Luthor suddenly entered the scene. Her chest is heaving. She can hardly control her breath. She puts her hand on her chest unknowingly. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's ever done that. Uh, he looks up at her. He notices. <laughs> <laughs> My wife loves me! Not as much as I do. Diane slaps Alex's face. Alex grabs Diane's hand, logically, oh, Jesus, logically reluctant, but emotionally willing. <laughs> he sucks on her fingers. <laughs> We hit success. It is successful porn, kind of. She lies across Alex's something. I don't say what it is. <laughs> she lies across His Alex's. His fingers is really what that implies. <laughs> <laughs> he holds her shoulders close uh, to his chest. He smells like coffee. This... <laughs> That's a very teacher-specific. <laughs> and he holds her shoulders close to his chest. <laughs> what is that? What was that? What is Here, that? Jacob, try to hold my shoulders close to your chest. It's like a, a weird side hug, kind of. Uh, he smells like coffee. This must stop. Diane presses Alex. <laughs> you stop. I can't stop. Scene. <laughs> wow. Thank you for sharing that with everybody. Uh, one, one great thing through that is that Diane's attraction was clear from the very beginning, mm -hmm. even without reading it all the way through to the end. That's clear. Oh, yeah, thanks, so. Thank you. <laughs> I'll go back in time and tell a horny, nerdy, retarded me that, I, that, it's, that it's clear. That sounded like I was being mean to you, and I didn't mean it. That Do way. you have any idea what this teacher is up to these days? 
Um, well, I know that when I was in college, I sent him letters and, um, this isn't, I mean, this isn't, uh, when you used to be proud, right? <laughs> uh, Aaron, I don't know how to say this. Could we get the house lights up, please? He, he's not here. <laughs> I, I sent him letters, and then when I was, uh, I think, like, the summer in between my freshman and sophomore year of high school, I went and visited him, like, after school, and, like, tried to have a very adult conversation with him, and I remember feeling really uncomfortable, and uh, I think after high school, there was a possibility of us actually sleeping together, and that really upset me, and so I never talked to him again. <laughs> Yay! Yay! <laughs> How'd you guys like those <laughs> she made them. Yeah. Uh, this next one is another. Uh, I don't know if it's a teacher, but it's Ella and Mr. Ruba. <laughs> it is a teacher. Uh, <laughs> this is from the same collection of life uh, fanfic by Aaron McGathy, circa uh, me being 15 years old. I think this one's a little more on the nose. Um, <laughs> Uh, I don't know. Need, needs no. This is this is around the same time. This was also maybe going to be a play that me and my teacher performed together in a theater that never would exist ever. Different teacher. Same teacher. Same teacher. Okay. Oh, same teacher. Okay, just I'm committed. Once I have my eyes on someone, I uh, write write plays that they never. Loyal write. with the fanfic. <laughs> uh, is the attraction implicit from the beginning in this one as well? Um, I don't. I don't know. I, I haven't that? read it. I mean, I, I'm. I'm assuming as much. This is. This is a student and teacher. Okay. So. Okay. And <laughs> what was Mr. Ruba like? <laughs> um, well, the character that, or the person that Mr. Ruba was based on, was uh, he. He looked like. I thought he looked like Colin Firth in Pride and Prejudice. Um, <laughs> I was, this is gonna get this is gonna get really depressing. Um, he he was he was you know he was the per first person who saw me. Um, <laughs> like for who you really were, or just yeah. like in the morning when you got to school. <laughs> Maybe both, I guess. <laughs> he he thought I was very talented. Um, he he was also he also challenged me. I don't know. He was he was very like he was like the the hard ass teacher who he was like an honors teacher and was very difficult. And you either loved or hated him. Um, he was also the teacher that would be like, if you don't want to be here, just leave. You know, that Ooh. teacher where you're like, whoa, cool. So he's like Edward James almost. Cool. Yeah. He was a teacher who, who was like, yeah, I smoked weed while I read on the road. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> oh, my God. This so, is so living. put all of that into. All of this sounds pretty irresponsible. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, looking back on it, like, I mean, totally inappropriate. <laughs> I mean, extremely inappropriate. Um, nothing ever happened ever. But uh, he, w I mean, just, just really inappropriate like things like Aaron like people probably don't tell you uh, enough that you're uh, that you're really beautiful but I know it you know things like that uh, that's that's explicitly inappropriate <laughs> but good teacher aside from that good teacher <laughs> let's let's uh, let's dig into this uh, Mr. Ruba I have a question about our paper yes Miss Brown <laughs> <laughs> What can I help you with? Well, I've written the entire essay beginning to end, and I can only come up with four body paragraphs. I feel like I should have stressed body. I feel like and I can only come up with four 
body paragraphs. I know you want us to have five, but I feel like I've written about my thesis as much as I possibly can. You can think of nothing else to flesh out that might help your paper. Well, if I write any more, I'll just end up being really repetitive, and that's what you said would be the downfall of my... That was what you said the downfall of my last paper was. <laughs> Remind me of your last paper. I feel like, Joe, you're reading this as if Tilda Swinton is playing a villain. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what I was going for. <laughs> you processed all of that. It was about the Lakoan. Leakoan. Uh, Leakoan. Which is a, 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 a sculpture. It was about the Leakoan? Leakoan. It was it's about the Leakoan. I feel embarrassed correcting you. Leakoan. The Leakoan and <laughs> its influence oh. on Roman sculpture. You gave me a C minus. Is that the one with all of his sons there and like they're all like they're dying? Tearing them apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's actually spelled L A O C O O N. King, any of sons with like some umlauts and stuff. Long, long, uncomfortable silence. Mr. Ruba stands up and crosses to a file cabinet. File cabinet. <laughs> he looks through the files and finds a Manila folder with a bright pink tab. He looks through the papers to find an essay cover with a report cover. It slips out of his hands to the floor. Damn. <laughs> I hate these things. Essays? No, these <laughs> blasted report covers. Blasted. <laughs> the plastic is difficult to stack and it <laughs> slips away when not cradled. It like an infant. <laughs> is that why I got the C minus? No, but it certainly didn't help your grade. <laughs> because it looked more professional. Now, let's take a look at this paper on the, I'm going to say it wrong again, Leakuan. That's right. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> what? What? This was the beginning of your decline. <laughs> I don't understand. Your papers at the start of the semester were exceptional. I saved all of them as, <laughs> as prototypes for, for future classes. <laughs> Fantasy. That's the best thing that can happen with an essay. <laughs> But in the past few weeks, ever since spring break, your work has been getting sloppy. I didn't realize. Ella, I know when you write a research paper the night before, or when you... Can we, can we stop for one second? There is literally an innuendo in every single line of this. Up at the top, there's, like, there's body, and then there's flesh. I wanted a pen so I could write them down. There's flesh, uh, bright, pink, bright pink tabs. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Wait, right, the, the plastic is God. difficult to stack. It, it slips away when not cradled like an infant. No one has ever talked about a file in that way. Uh, uh, 
Uh, Jesus, Lord, uh, the night before, the night before you're referencing the night. So he's thinking about the night before in reference to you. This is all in there. I mean, so oh, subtext. Ella, I know when you write a research paper the night before or when you don't read the text and guess on my exams. I haven't been. I mean, I didn't. <laughs> is there something going on in Miss Brown's life that is pulling her away from my essays? <laughs> I don't know if I need to say this, but uh, I haven't read this in years. This was an actual, this is, this is an amped up version of an actual conversation that I had with my teacher that I was then going to give to him and say, let's, let's talk about this. I'm really this glad it wasn't you because this guy's definitely fucked a student. <laughs> There's no way this guy didn't fuck a student. <laughs> Uh, I haven't been. I mean, I didn't. Is there something going on in Miss Brown's life that is pulling her away from my essays? I guess so. Yes, there is. I just haven't talked to anyone about it. It's kind of private. I'll work harder and figure this all out. Harder. <laughs> Thanks, Mr. Ruba. It's just a fun name. <laughs> <laughs> Ella, do you need to talk to someone? Oh, no. I'll be fine. Thanks. All right. <laughs> See you Monday. Bright and early. <laughs> Mr. Ruba? Yes? My mom was diagnosed with cancer. <laughs> this is when my mom was diagnosed with cancer. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. I mean, it, it's not okay. I mean, she has cancer, but she's had it before, and it'll be fine. It's really minor. Minor? They caught it really soon, so they're taking it out, and she'll have radiation treatments, and then it'll be gone. It's just been stressful on my dad and making, th making things difficult for everyone. What kind of cancer? <laughs> uh... So ovarian cancer, cancer of the ovaries. She didn't need to explain that, really. <laughs> she's having, she explains further. She's having a hysterectomy. Mm. This is awful. <laughs> yeah, it's before you were funny. No, no, I mean, like, I just want to, like, it I want to tell this yeah, time person. And hug I want to tell, yeah, I want to time travel and tell you then that it was going to be okay. It wasn't. She died of this cancer. <laughs> oh. Whatever, guys. We're alive. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> look, if you guys still have moms, give her, give her a call. Mother's Day's coming up. I'm going to be sending flowers to a gravesite. <laughs> Just kidding. It's too painful to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ella, that's rough. <laughs> Just diving back in. <laughs> in your Have you guys perfect, ever watched someone die? In your perfect world of someone soothing you through this, they just say, hmm, <laughs> that's rough. They're not, yeah. I'm man. very sorry. Well, see you later. <laughs> got a lot of these old plastic files I gotta mess with. <laughs> just slipping around right in my hand. <laughs> you, you think you have it bad. I got all these plastic files. <laughs> Fucking files. <laughs> we all have our crosses to bear. <laughs> Probably pretty equal 
you and I. <laughs> Maybe if the doctors can find your mom's pink tab, uh, just pull out the ovaries that way. <laughs> we should have stopped making jokes before I said that. <laughs> I should have not said that. <laughs> Whatever the joke was right before that would have been the last one. It's fine. She's not alive to be offended. <laughs> <laughs> I am really making myself laugh, laugh you guys. If anyone feels bad. I, no, I do. That's time. just so rough. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you right. know, when she had it before, she had it five years ago when I was still in middle school, and I thought ovarian cancer meant it was from ovaria. Like, ovaria was this horrible place that infects you with the disease. Is this a real thing? Yeah, that was true. I she had, yeah, that's true. <laughs> you thought there was a place called ovaria. <laughs> yeah, because it says musing. Yeah. You thought there was a place called ovaria. Mm. Yeah, it's funny. I, I knew that ovaria didn't actually exist in the physical world. I, I think I must have just thought it was a mystical state of mind or something. I don't know. I was really imaginative. <laughs> you still are. <laughs> He's hitting on her in this moment. <laughs> well, now I know the cancer's here. Uh, she motion. Oh no. <laughs> She motions to her ovaries. <laughs> then, oh no, oh no. She motions to her ovaries, then realizes her action and turns away. Mr. Ruba blushes excitedly. That's the I, most active blush I've ever heard of. I fictionally molested myself. During Well, I gotta go. I'll see you Monday. <laughs> My dad's picking me up. <laughs> Bye. Miss <laughs> Brown. Yeah? <laughs> Don't... <laughs> Listen. Don't go passing this around. He's asking you not to tell people. <laughs> but if you need to talk to someone... <laughs> Who will listen. And it'll just be our secret. <laughs> you can call me at this number. Or I'm here before and after school for about an hour. <laughs> I can't give you more than 40 minutes, maybe. <laughs> it's a very I small window of time. I need to run errands and the bank doesn't stay open forever, but I'll be here for about an hour. Monday through Thursday. <laughs> Not Friday. Friday's the weekend. He's gone. Yeah. On Friday, that's my time. <laughs> I go to a place called Buffalo Wild Wings <laughs> with my friend. He hands her his number written on a piece of paper. Thanks. <laughs> and see. Wow. All right. I hope you guys like that. Um, check out uh, Before You Were Funny on uh, iTunes, also on their website, beforeyouwerefunny.com. Um, it's a great, great podcast. Uh, tweet it, tweet it, tremendous, or tell them I tell them I sent you. Um, now, let's get to the interview. Um, my guest this week in the interview portion of the show is uh, Genevieve Pearson. I uh, I first I first found out about Genevieve um, 
on a on a dark and stormy night when uh, Dan, my boyfriend, and I were at home and were wanting to watch a ton of television and uh, wanted to watch reality television we uh which doesn't doesn't usually doesn't usually happen i don't know if it's ever it's if it's ha- has happened uh, or happened before or since then but we wanted to watch a, a competition show and we came across um the show king of the nerds which is uh created and hosted by robert carradine and curtis armstrong and um the premise of it is that there are all these people who are uh who are nerds Uh, like they're some of them are engineers some of them are comic book nerds some of them are video game nerds and they are they compete in all these different uh fun competitions to find out who is the king of the nerds and uh genevieve pearson was on that show and due to the to the to the to the what's the word I'm looking for? The the happenings, the happenings of the show. Like she became a character that I was really, really rooting for and felt really connected to. And, um, was really attached to and after the show we saw that she was following dan on twitter and dan tweeted at her and then we we met her and and now and then she came and was a guest on the show which was really cool uh i think she's she's awesome i think that you should watch her on king of the nerds uh she is also a published author she's written um She's written two books in a in a series called uh, Song of the Silver Tongue. Uh, the first one is called Revelations, and the second one is called Genesis. You can find out more about her on her website, genevievepearson.com. She's also on the Twitter. Uh, just search Genevieve Pearson. She's at Viv in the Valley. Um, she's she's a real she's a real cool great gal. So uh, without further ado, here's my interview with Miss Genevieve Pearson. friend and I think we dated for two weeks and we had never done anything Mm -hmm. except maybe hold hands and then uh, we were both in college and I remember I'd had a talk with my mom like why hasn't he kissed me yet what am I supposed to do so he agreed to be your boyfriend before you guys had kissed or anything correct (laughs) that right there should tell you that things were I don't know if we were officially boyfriend girlfriend but we had been dating for two weeks and okay. yeah well, I mean and and hypothetically nothing wrong with that hypothetically basic, right? <laughs> later I was to learn no uh. <laughs> but it was probably as bad as bad as you can imagine a first kiss well because the lead up was my mom had said are you giving me him the right signals and da 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 so one night at the <laughs> end of the day really you know that. like <laughs> angle your head upwards and close your <laughs> eyes a little bit and see if he gets the hint you know like, come wow. on why won't he get the hint yeah. so I did that and then it was just like straight for the tongue it was whoa gross. it was awful it was quite a shocker. Yeah. I mean, not that kind of shocker, but a different kind of shocker. <laughs> Bury the lead. We finally find out he stuck his fingers in your butt. <laughs> While we were so. kissing. No, that never happened. But. Oh, boy. Um, but now you're married. I am married. People keep telling me I got married really young, and I didn't well, really rude. feel like that. I don't know. I'm 29 and people go, wow, you're so young to be married. I don't think they realize that I'm 29 when they're telling me this, though, because. Sorry. Oh, no, it's usually very concerned older couples who sit down next to us when we're in the restaurant and start asking us questions. And then 
we they find out we're married and then they go wow well she's so young did her parents give you permission (laughs) (laughs) wow well you do you do look very very young yeah i guess especially according to the older couples at costco pizza which is where they usually happens (laughs) i wonder what those couples are trying to accomplish by i think that they're thinking they're doing a public service and they just want to scope out to make sure it's all all okay and legal and above board and that I'm not being taken advantage of. <laughs> That's nice. They they watch a lot of Dateline, I think. Yeah, they they're watching a lot of and, and my husband is actually a month younger than me. Ah. So he feels really awful. <laughs> it's like how old do I look and how, how young how do you, look? you or how old were you guys? How long along how yeah. far along in your lives were you? We when were you got married. When we got married, yeah. we got married. Well, our two-year anniversary is on April seventeenth, so just a few oh, days from now. Happy early anniversary! Yeah. So we've been together. We've been married for two years, and we've been together since two thousand and four. Oh, okay. So nine nine years. Wow, that's that's great. So yeah. to uh, yeah, that it's it is to to get to. Um, to segue into to how I know who you are, I saw mm-hmm. you on uh, on this reality TV show called King of the Nerds. Correct. That uh, my boyfriend and I binge watched one night <laughs> and uh, got really into. And I'm I'm sitting across from you. I feel like I'm sitting next to a. I met you at Harmontown. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's so strange to like to root for someone as a human being uh, and as a character and to like get angry and happy and then and then it's the same person you're sitting here with a batman shirt. Yeah. It's yeah. still me. I I think a lot of people <laughs> you know to a degree they emphasize who you are on a reality show, you know, they mm-hmm. kind of distill you down to your essential parts, but at the same time it's still a lot of who you are. It's kind of weird. It's funny when people come up and they know me. They know me from the show and I don't yeah. know who they are and it's bizarre. It's like when you see an old high school friend and they recognize you and you don't you have that moment of panic like what do I know you from somewhere? Right. And, it, and these people have seen you cry. They've seen me have the <laughs> ugliest cry of all time. <laughs> but it was great because your head was in the pillow. Yeah, well, for part of that, there's also the interview. I don't know if you saw that they have this yeah. one interview where I'm like, I got thrown under the bus or something, and I just <laughs> look, and I think, yeah, I'm just not a pretty crier. I'm not one of those people. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> Rolls good out tonight. of the bed and is dewy eyed <laughs> and, and has the pink cheeks and oh, just protect me. No, I'm I'm an ugly crier. <laughs> <laughs> Quite all right, but you so so speaking of like knowing you from that show, mm-hmm. I watched you on the show and assumed. That assume that you were a little bit younger because you do mm-hmm. look very young. You have like you have you have Hermione hair, you have like <laughs> long bouncy curly hair, and and, uh, and you wear Batman shirts. So then when I met your husband at the show, it was and, and like mm-hmm. there's no on that show. There's no and I'll give the listeners a, mm-hmm. a like a description of the show and I'll I'll recommend I'll recommend they check it out. But there's no mention of your husband on the show at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. Was that was that because you didn't talk about him, or they just cut that out entirely? Because you because you were the the sexy one on the show. <laughs> well, I like to think I was the sexy one on the show. I'm not sure about that, but <laughs> uh, it was. I did mention him on the show. I remember okay. initially, 
I kind of thought maybe I just won't bring it up and see because guys are always nicer to you if they think you're single. Right. And see Did if they that have helps you take at off all. your wedding ring or were you wearing- No, I chose not to wear it just because oh, okay. I didn't want it to get all messed up and it's a little small on me anyways. But initially I thought, well, I'll just see what happens and see if it if I can go but it felt so dishonest I think I told somebody within day two I told Ivan and I told Joshua anybody who I thought might have the wrong impression knew I was married I think by the second or third day oh that's good I just couldn't maintain (laughs) when did you mention him on the show I don't remember Uh, I didn't no it did it got all mention of my husband got cut out of the show. Oh, okay. That's what I so, thought. Yeah. Right. So they had seen my proposal video. They had seen, you know, like YouTube wedding videos because I was really sad one weekend and watched them. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So uh, all of that happened, but it just got cut out, I think. And some of it happened on non-camera days, but... One thing I thought is really funny is how many viewers were really angry when they found out I was married. Like, I'd purposefully misled people. Right. And just the online reaction sometimes that people would come onto my Facebook and post on my wall, she's married, you know? <laughs> Did you know? Like, someone would say something to me and then another person would go, she's married, so you might as well just move on. She's just pretending to be single. And it was on my profile on the website. Everywhere mentions I'm married. I'm like, well, am I just supposed to yell it to the hills? But Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's an interesting thing because I... I don't want to say that like I was I felt like offended or cheated, mm-hmm. but it did seem it was like I was very surprised yeah. <laughs> like, I, to meet to meet your husband. Mm-hmm. And I think because I mean, this probably is is partially your energy and then also how they cut together the show. But, you know, you, you come out, you're wearing an adorable dress. And mm-hmm. I mean, it speaks more to how fucked up things are that we're like, she should really I mean, she should say, she's going to be so adorable. She needs to say that she's... She should dress like she's married. I get a lot of, why don't you wear your wedding ring? Why don't you wear your wedding ring? Well, I You're wearing it right now. I do wear it right now. I wear it when I have meetings and things. (laughs) (laughs) Like 90% of the time, I just don't wear it and I'm not in the habit of it. Now I feel guilty. I'm not trying to mislead people, but... Yeah. It seems, it's an odd cultural thing that... Mm -hmm. People, I mean, I see plenty of guys who are married who don't wear wedding rings, but I guess it's a bigger deal for a girl not to wear it. Yeah, I don't, I don't like, know. Yeah. I don't, I, it's not. I'm like, hmm. Yeah. I don't, it's pretty ring. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, I think you should do whatever whatever you want, <laughs> and, it's, and it's fine. Um, what, uh, you mentioned a proposal video. Did your husband propose in a cool way? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> He, I think he went in with the viewpoint of what can I do that there's absolutely no way she could say no to it. I mean, and in a good way, because <laughs> I wouldn't have said no anyways. I, but it was one of the few times in my life I've been taken completely by surprise, completely. And the saga, I call it the saga, but it started when he came up to visit me in my hometown and I got an email and this was about two months or a month before Avatar came out, and I got an email from USC Film School's alumni group. So came, the address was the alumni group, everything. It looked exactly 100% like that, and it said, we're holding a screening of Avatar two weeks before the premiere of the movie with a Q&A from James Cameron, if you want to come RSVP. So I RSVP'd instantly because 
at that point, I loved James Cameron movies. I was like, I love Terminator 2. I love Terminator 1 and Aliens. I'm just crazy about Jim Cameron. So instant RSVP calling everybody now. Make sure you RSVP right now. I want us all to go together. We're all going to this q and I'm so excited. So cut to about two to three weeks later we're back in california at home and we go to usc for the screening of this special movie and i we had to get there early because i'm really ocd about getting good seats so i made sure everybody (laughs) was there like two or three hours before the screening was scheduled because (laughs) i wanted to be the first one in the door (laughs) and so of course we get there and the theater's empty of course have they they all had gotten those letters like had your friends they all told me that they had RSVP'd. Oh, okay, I don't okay. know if they all got the email, but right, they right, all right. told me, oh, yeah, I RSVP'd. I got in. I got in. And then somebody RSVP'd and was like, I was told it was full already. So it felt very genuine right. because whenever they have those things, they, first of all, they hold those events all the time. Right. It's not off the wall at all. And when I got there, they had everything set up for like the official screening. And then I got in and I sat down and my husband said, oh, I have to go to the bathroom. He got up and left and I thought, well, this sucks. Everyone left me here in the theater alone by myself. And then the lights go out and it comes up on the screen and it's, I thought, oh, well, they're just testing the Avatar thing. And then they started playing his proposal, which I don't know if you've seen it. No, no. It's really funny he took all my favorite movies and he edited himself into them oh wow (laughs) with the soundtrack of Enrique Iglesias's hero (laughs) 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 which happened to be one of my favorite cheesy songs because I love cheesy love songs and then at the end he does this romantic speech and he tied it all in perfectly so that the speech ended with him outside the theater doors just as he comes in in the suit and everything with the ring. And it oh, was, that's amazing. It was a really we'll, well done. On the, on the Tumblr. You should so definitely. I, I think people might get a kick out of it. And at that point, I was just like, wow, the level of energy. <laughs> yeah. Good. So, so, and then. And then did you guys all just hang out in the movie theater and leave the <laughs> We wound up leaving and then. Uh, we thanked the USC people who had so generously donated their time and energy and helped him pull it off to make it all look legitimate. And I was actually hoping that he just managed to get us into the theater early before the screening. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then they had to tell me, no, there was no Avatar. Jim Cameron's not going to be here. And I thought, oh, okay. <laughs> Then we went to karaoke and some other fun things, but yeah, I still remember he goes, "You're really disappointed that Avatar is not going. You're not going to see Avatar, are you?" I'm like, yes. I mean, that is the trouble with incorporating mm-hmm. something other, something really exciting. Into yeah, a surprise. it was. He wanted the one thing that I, he knew I would not say no to. Yeah, and he did almost too good of a job because I was so excited about that. But oh man, I mean, obviously I had more to be excited about. But one of my one of my saddest moments was when I was in the eighth grade. There this there was this group of girls who all made uh, sketch comedy videos together mm-hmm. and never invited me and I always really really wanted to go and I was moving away mm-hmm. and right before I left they're like oh you should come like would you like to do it and I was like yeah like I curled my hair and I was so, I can still remember like exactly what I was wearing I was so excited and I went and my mom had just called them and said hey can you throw Aaron a going away party. <laughs> 
was a going away party, but I remember being like, oh. And the only thing we did the entire party was watch their videos. Oh, no. <laughs> and I just sat there. <laughs> sad that I was never invited. Um, and they were probably thrilled that I was leaving so they, so they could stop not inviting me. Me. Um, so anyway. mean. Why didn't they just uh, like... I know, right? I had a similar thing in high school where I had been part of a group of girls that we all used to make sketch videos together, but I guess I got phased out of the group because oh. sometimes, at some point during high school, it kept going and they'd say, oh, we tried to call you and invite you, but I guess... You were out. We left a message. Didn't you get it? And I'd go home and check my messages and there would be nothing. Oh. So Uh, girls are the meanest. Mean girls. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What was your, what, what was, what was your life like growing up? Were you, what were you, what was, what was young Genevieve Mm -hmm. like? Let's see. I'm trying to think of a good way to summarize it. Well, I was homeschooled. I went to first grade and I had a lot of um, assertive moments, I guess we'll say, with my teacher. Like we butted heads a lot. So my mom wound up taking me out of school and homeschooling me through until high school. So I started high school in public school. But I was actually really lucky because I'd done 4-H and a lot of stuff through the YMCA Mm -hmm. and I had book group. So I actually knew a large group of girls going into public school, which I think that's a common misconception about homeschoolers is they're not going to have any friends or they don't have any people. But it was definitely high school was, I guess, my middle school for me. Right. Oh, that's hard. (laughs) So I had all the like primarily I had a lot of conflicts with I wouldn't even say conflicts like I had a good time, but I wound up getting left out a lot. So that's when I became, I went into my writing and everything and had a ton of fun living in my fantasy world. (laughs) So I think that's probably what cemented me being a nerd was getting phased out of my girl groups and not really having. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I had a lot of good times and bad times. And then what was college like for you? College was... Gosh, I probably had the most boring college life of anyone because I was double degreeing. I got a degree in business and a degree in cinema. So I just put my nose to the grindstone. I worked a lot. And anyone who's heard about USC knows that their film program is no joke. It's a lot of lot of work. So once I hit my sophomore year, I was just always focused on keeping my scholarship because I had academic scholarships. So everything was like, Congratulations. Congratulations. I mean, it seems like a bigger deal than it was, but it was definitely like if I lost the scholarship, I knew I would be going home. So I'm like, must keep scholarship, must get A's. Yeah. But I was kind of OCD, but I did date a lot in college. Really? Yes. Which surprisingly, but once I broke up with my first boyfriend who I'd known actually in high school, we had been friends and we dated for about a year and then we broke up. I went kind of on this, I don't know how to put it, but like, (laughs) that's a good way of doing it, (laughs) like a dating rumspring, I'm like, I'm just going to date everybody, and I went on Match.com, and I went, when you were in college, when I was in college, so (laughs) it was, 
was new he was then. A, a hot commodity, a college girl on, on Match.com. Match. I never heard for dates from Match.com. I've heard it's gotten worse lately, but I, there was a portion of time where I'd have three different dates lined up over a week, and so I'd do Saturday afternoon, Saturday night, Sunday afternoon. Wow, with three. you're like a 60s movie. Yeah, I was. It was wow. like Doris Day, and you have the whirling montage. <laughs> <gasps> Who are you? No. Why... Uh, did you did you opt for online dating before dating people at your school or did you know? Oh no, I dated guys at school too. It was just and once whoever. you had gone through all those guys, then you <laughs> went like, to the. I had a great technique. This is the best, and everyone who hears it says I'm really old fashioned, but it has never not worked for me. Oh, Although, let's hear it. Okay, so I used to grab an interesting looking book, usually a sci-fi book, because I'm a nerd and I wanted somebody with common interests. Right. And then I would go to a place and literally one day I said, I want a new boyfriend. This is what I'm doing. <laughs> and I would go to a crowded place. Like I would go to the fountain because there's always a lot of people around there and I would right. sit at, in, USC. at USC and I would sit at the fountain and I'd pretend to read and watch the guys go by. And when I saw a cute one, I would look up at him over the edge of my book and make eye contact, smile. And just start sucking on the cord. <laughs> <laughs> just smile. And then look down at my book and ignore him. Except once I might look up again just to see if he had noticed me most him and go back to my book. And then I would wait. And, and never, every time, every single time, the guy would always come up and say, well, what book are you reading? Bam. Wow. And I get a date. I mean, it was so Wow, you should teach classes. Easy. I Every time I tell girls, they tell me, that's the stupidest thing. That is not a stupid thing. <laughs> it works, though. It that's works. Great. You just got to master the look up, eye contact, coy smile, look down. Uh, I feel like it's the bend and snap from Legally Blonde. My version of the bend and snap, except it involves usually a copy of Ender's Game or something like that. <laughs> that's great. And the looking up at somebody is good. Mm -hmm. Simulating. Yeah, the eye contact. Then, so, mm -hmm. then the the key the key factor though is once you make eye contact, then you have to completely ignore them. That's uh, the follow up. So it's eye contact, smile, look down, ignore, and that's awesome. ignoring that gets them in. <clears throat> Excellent. Yeah, I um, I watched too many romantic comedies when I was a kid. I think <laughs> like in college there was a lot of like running into people. Did you ever? Do that? <laughs> No, but that would have been a good one, I think. <laughs> I think it just bothered people. It never worked. Oh. <laughs> it was never a, like, like, like I, 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 f I figured it all out probably like right after college, but during college, just literally like hitting people and be like, oh, no, I'm sorry. And they're like, yeah, get out of my way. <laughs> but that's <laughs> that a good way to tell a if, but that's a good way to tell if a guy's a jerk, right? I mean, if you run into him right. and he's rude about it, well, just knock him off your list, yeah. right? Well, it may, it may also have something to do with not being like not having great control over my body. So it probably just felt like I was shoving somebody. You know what I mean? As to just, Still, like, I mean, them. a cute girl shoves you. You're like, hi. Right. <laughs> I mean, that would be if you're if you're a guy and you're standing there and a cute girl just came up and shoved you in the shoulder. I'm sure that would get your attention. Yeah. You hear that, guys? Yeah. You just have <laughs> an 18 year old uh, with with black hair and a fur coat in the middle of summer bumps into you She's probably an okay person yeah that book thing that's a great idea so uh when did you meet your husband I met him what book were you reading what book was I reading? what book were you pretending to read well actually I met him at my first real film class in introduction to cinema and I remember so the first time he saw me he says he's talking to this crazy girl named I'm gonna call her Jenny so she doesn't hear this and know who she is but <laughs> and 
she was really interested in him. And then the next time when I first saw him, I was also talking to her. And it was because she realized we liked each other. <laughs> and she always would sit between us. Oh. So it was really funny because the first two weeks of the semester, there was always this girl between us. And he was always trying to... Oh, sorry. I'm demonstrating. He's always trying to talk to me over her. And I was always trying to talk to him over her. <laughs> over that poor girl. But I know. I feel badly, except I don't feel too badly because she right. told me I should get a boob job, and I thought that wasn't a very appropriate thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> Which leads me to our next subject. You should super get a blowjob. This podcast, no. I know I told you it was a relationship <laughs> podcast. It's really called Plastic Surgery Intervention. Yeah. You need a boob job. You need a boob job. No. Yeah. And she, that's what she said. You know, you would be almost pretty if you got a boob job. You'd be almost pretty. <laughs> <laughs> or you'd almost have a good figure if you had a boob job. Something along those lines. And I just laughed and I oh. said, well, Paul's not complaining because we were dating by that point. Yeah. I wanted That wasn't very nice thing to say. Hello, everyone. This is the commercial. Um, this podcast is part of a fantastic network called feral audio i um i highly encourage you to check out the other shows on the podcast um specifically uh johnny pemberton's twisting in the wind which is so awesome and if you're unfamiliar with him like he's 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 on the duncan trussell podcast pretty frequently he's a he's a comic and an actor and his his uh he's 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 super unique i don't know what else to say about it without to say that you should really listen to it the show's really unique and worth a listen also newly joined to the network my friend james urbaniak uh who is a uh who's a very talented actor voice actor he was on futurama he's on a million things he he plays the foot fetishist in uh sex in the city if you remember <laughs> that, if you are one of the few listeners who is familiar with Sex and the City and does not get really irritated when I mention it on the show, look, I know it's bad. I know it's bad, but I feel like those women are my mommies. He's on the show um, and he has his own show that's very good, especially if you like shows like Super Ego. It's called Getting On. Um, listen to that show. Other than that, guys, this is a commercial for you having a great week. Back to the show. So, uh, so let's talk about the okay. experience with being on a reality show. Okay. I'm personally interested because we just shot this documentary mm -hmm. and I definitely have a lot of like hyper emotional moments on the documentary and I'm, and I am nervous about how I'm going to be perceived. What was it like watching your, your experience play out? It was a lot like reliving it in the moment. That's mm -hmm. what the tough part is, is you just yeah. you're you're right back there and you have your version of events in your head. So if it doesn't match up with what other people are perceiving as what happened. Yeah, that gets pretty frustrating. You just have to kind of walk yourself through it and say, look, this isn't you per se. It's a character on a show and right. people. I don't see. I think the hardest one for me was the Kevin Smith deal and how other people perceived it versus how I had perceived it right. in the moment, which was... Could you tell that story for those? Oh, okay. So <clears throat> on the show, we had to do a superhero debate. And I debated with this guy named Joshua who was 
he's, you know, he was in really into comic books and thought of his comic book expert. However, <clears throat> during the course of debate, I thought I gave not only a better argument, but I kind of called him out on something that he got wrong, which was that he called Frank Miller, Mark Miller. Right. So I thought that <laughs> that did it. I should win this. <laughs> yeah. And in fact, the let's see. So the USC debate coach said I won, but Jay and Silent Bob, or a.k.a. Jason Mewes and Kevin Smith, both said I didn't win. And Kevin Smith at the time, yeah, he said it in a in a way that very much upset me. So I kind of kept... Well, he said, like, I... Like, yeah. I think it's cool that I'm, I'm, I'm misquoting, but basically, yeah, basically, basically like, that you're a girl. And well, he like, said check. He's like, I yeah. think it's rad when a chick uh, knows Frank Miller. Like, mm-hmm. that, so that's cool. Like, I, com- I commend any chick who. Yeah, so, who knows like that. that. Yeah, and it was then, a little degrading. Yeah, it was, it was. And it made me think that maybe I had lost. Not actually that I had lost because of that moment, because he kind of. It felt at the time. I don't know uh-huh. if this was his intention, but it felt at the time that. He thought I had been too smug about knowing. Uh, that was the vibe I got. I don't know if that's what he actually felt, but that's what I, how I perceived it. Right. So after I kept my my stuff together and we were fine. However, we'd lost a lot of challenges and we were going. I knew for sure we were going to go into the nerd war. I mean, I was going into the nerd off, which is the yeah. elimination round. So once we got up to the room, I started crying and I kind of tried to curl up into a ball and, <laughs> and hide as best as I could. And then poor Celeste saw me crying and started crying. And Virgil's like, don't you guys start crying? And it was oh. a whole group <laughs> thing. And during the course, I was really angry. I was kind of angry crying because I was very angry at Kevin Smith. And I said, stupid Kevin Smith. I thought he was supposed to be cool. I thought he was supposed to be cool. <laughs> What's the matter? Oh my god! And so my perception of it was that I hadn't been upset during the actual challenge. I had kept right. it together until yeah. we were in our privacy of a room, and then right. I cried. And then I got my act together, wiped my tears off, went down, faced the music, and went to the nerd off. Like you know, and I didn't. I had my moment. And I moved on. Right. And but, but instead it becomes like the titular thing. Yeah, the it became day was you cry. Yeah. It, yeah, it became and a lot of people were saying that I was such a poor sport for crying and that yeah. how dare you cry? This is ch- competition. Don't you know this is a competition? And Rude. Yeah, and I was like, that's that's not my perception is if you cry in the midst of the challenge, maybe I could see that, but after yeah. the fact in the privacy, you know, sometimes we all need to cry. It's weird mm-hmm. because like we we live in a we live in a world now where most shows are reality shows, but we mm-hmm. still like have these big emotional reactions, even though we know yeah. that like things are edited together a certain way, and we know mm-hmm. that like we're not seeing most <laughs> of what's happening. The, uh, oh, there was one more other thing too oh, yeah. that was very unfair. Well, when we won the Sudoku challenge, and this was when we were three to three, and we knew which we were challenge going, the Sudoku challenge right, right, with right. the Rubik's cube. Which we had been really convinced we were probably going to lose because it was really heavy and they got theirs built so quickly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they actually, this is the one of the few times I saw them doing editing tricks, but they put my my noise on a loop. Oh. And so they played the same noise twice. So it sounded like it lasted longer, like my screaming than it actually did. And then they had the Danielle talking about what a poor sport I was. And that's when oh. I got the most flack of, oh, yeah. of course we would hate her for that. Who wouldn't hate her for doing that? And I thought oh, that was man. the one time I was like, oh, 
no, no, I'm, like, I'm pretty, I know I shouldn't have screamed and it was very loud, but I didn't think I screamed as loud as everyone. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's such a shame that they doubled the, doubled the. It time. felt like it. Maybe, maybe I'm wishful thinking, but it really did feel like they put the sound, it made it last a little longer than it was. Yeah. <laughs> so, Celeste was the one with the pink hair. Who? Oh no, that was Danielle. Danielle. So Danielle was the one right. who's, and then, and it was that paired with her comment, it gave everybody out in the audience something to kind of grab on Right, right. Okay, I see what you're saying, because Celeste so, was the one who ended up winning. Oh, no, no. It wasn't no, Celeste's comment. It was Danielle's comment. So Danielle okay. made this comment about how I was a poor sport. Right, okay. Sorry. And so I jumbled up. Okay. Yeah. Right. Well, and then, do you think it was fair, the way that Danielle was, was portrayed at the end? Mm-hmm. Like I, I mean, it, the way that they, the way that they cut it together. I, I don't know if this is this is the way it happened, but um, at the end of the show, spoilers, spoilers, <laughs> everybody. At the end of the show, it was down to you, Celeste, and Danielle, mm-hmm. and uh, Danielle ended up getting eliminated when it was down to three, and she had like I at the beginning of the show, I was I. I was oh, like, I didn't have like a, I didn't have a favorite really, but I wasn't rooting against her. Mm-hmm. But then once, once we got down to those final three and she was so, she seemed like she was so entitled that I was rooting against her. And then when she didn't win and it was like so put out that it like came down to like one question or like it was, re- it was really unfair. Like that was, I don't know. It was made me not like her very much like do you th- do you think they played that up or was that how it how it went down well I'm putting a lot of words into your mouth <laughs> I'm not really asking a question I'm telling you how I feel and saying like yeah right how I felt it went down at the time I felt that it it was portrayed more or less accurately I think though that for Danielle you know on Danielle's behalf that she had a lot of real life drama that I think oh, was okay. playing into her need to win and right. wanting to win uh, that she felt like her dad was sick and that she wanted Aww. to have, you know, money yeah. to pay for that and everything. So for that, however, I think aside from leaving that out, that's pretty accurate as to how it happened. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So in the, we kind of talked about this a little bit at Harmontown, um, but I think it got, okay. Um, at the At the end, when it was down to you and Celeste, like it seems so clear that you were the you were the obvious winner. Well, okay, so so this one I'm going to talk about a little more that I did on Harmon Town. One of the interesting things is like I like to say what you guys didn't see, and I actually I don't know if you saw this because I still haven't watched the second half of the last episode. <laughs> That's so bad uh, because it's very stressful for me to like. Yeah, but. I like to say, you know, if you have a campaign and you have two candidates, each candidate usually campaigns for themselves. But like, let's say that there's a super PAC who comes in with a lot of money and does a lot of negative campaigning on and maybe that's kind of the situation I would like. And I was in whereas Celeste campaigned for herself and I campaigned for myself. But there was somebody campaigning against me. Danielle. Mm hmm. Right. And yeah. there just wasn't anything I could do about it. And for her part, Celeste stayed out of it. I yeah. tried to stay out of it. But yeah. there's this sort of third party who had decided that I didn't deserve to win and made it an effort to make sure I didn't. Right. Yeah. I think they kind of 
hinted at it. kind of hinted at that yeah. in the show. Yeah, and I think that was us because, you know, going in, Brandon had told me he was going to vote for me the night before. A lot of people had told me mm-hmm. they were going to vote and then switched. And that's that's life, you know. Yeah. <laughs> people change their minds and well, they have their reasons. But. Sure. Well, and I, I'm sure it was really hard for all those people to be objective because, I mean, just from watching this, sh- I mean, the... the <laughs> The impression that I got watching the show is that you were more um, intimidating. You're you're more of a you were you were a bigger rival than Celeste was the entire time. Like so, it was, Celeste was was an easier choice to make psycholo- psychologically. Psychologically, it was like, well, like I've been competing with with Genevieve the whole time, and like mm-hmm. I guess she should win, but I sh- I should have beat Genevieve because we're fighting up against each other, and she's so spirited. And then like Celeste is is not threatening, and like oh fine, well like yeah. Well, plus I'm an assertive person. I think part of what works against me in these situations, I'm going to be honest, is that I always. I can't keep my mouth shut. I'm yeah. just going to be honest. I have a really hard time keeping my mouth shut. And even when I do manage to keep my mouth shut, I do not have a poker face. So whatever I'm thinking is right out there for everybody to know. And when you're living in a house situation, I think sometimes people look at me and they expect that I'm going to be the sweet, laid back, submissive young woman. But I grew up with three boys and I have no problem jumping in and saying, hey, you do this, you do that. I don't like it when you do that. You know, let's right. let's try this. And as much as I try to be diplomatic about it, sometimes just the fact that sometimes you're a girl who's being assertive and jumping in and being mm-hmm. a leader is enough to make people not like you. I think yeah. there's that book Lean In right now. <laughs> had that right, quote. Yeah. Did you, I yeah. don't know if you saw that. I, I but, heard about the book, but I don't mm-hmm. know what quote you're talking about. Oh, the about. author. Well, she was just on... Uh, the Daily Show, and she said it's an unfortunate fact that as long as you're a woman, the more you lead, the less people are going to like you. And the better you do, the less people are going to like you. Yeah. And I think because they were expecting one thing when they saw me and they got a different thing with personality that that rubbed some people the wrong way. Right. Mm-hmm. I, when I was when I was watching the show with Dan, there's a certain point where he said, I can't I can't and I can't remember I can't remember who it was, but there was someone else on the show, like very early on in the show, and he 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 said, "Oh, you're like you're like that person," and I can't, I can't remember who it was. Mm-hmm. But then the more that your personality emerged, I I was like, "No, I am Genevieve," <laughs> like, I, like, or and and I thought I thought you were I thought you were a little bit younger, but like I think you know that being being on a being on a game show like like mm-hmm. brings out all these things that don't that probably aren't normally brought out in your day-to-day life when you're like mm-hmm. writing or yeah. going to the grocery store like you're in these competitions so i and it's it's very much like a school atmosphere but i was sitting there just rooting so hard for you cuz i was like Aww. oh god like that's me and i got angry at you the same way that i got Aww. angry at myself and yeah i the um yeah, we're very, very similar. <laughs> very similar. Do you have brothers too? I have no. one brother. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I always blame it on the fact I have brothers, but I don't know if that's entirely <laughs> fair. <laughs> I don't know. To, like, I, I really, I really struggle with um, being like, I like, I really like being in charge and mm-hmm. I like leading. I like making the decisions about the way that, um, the way that people play games and, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I often find myself in situations that are like, 
party scenarios where someone's like, yeah, let's play a game. Aaron, you like running the game. Yeah. And then I start running the game and then we'll like will correct like everybody's drinking and having a good time and I'm mm-hmm. like well if we're not going to follow the rule then like what's the point what's of playing the game like, yeah. <laughs> no exactly like, that's, that that's the rule like you can't mime like stop it that you're not mm-hmm. supposed to do that in this in this catchphrase game or whatever we're playing um yeah or I'll be <laughs> you cheated at Scrabble <laughs> some of them will go it doesn't matter we're just having fun I'm like it matters no. yeah well and then but, like with the with the good sport versus yeah poor sport thing yeah everyone like with like was showing you crying like it is it's like well yeah exactly see she's she's a girl and she cries, cries. but like yeah. but men lash out emotionally too and in mm-hmm. bigger ways will mm-hmm. sulk or punch a wall or yeah you know like you said you just had to cry for a second and mm-hmm. then you got back on your feet yeah I mean it was probably longer than a second but I did yes yeah, probably <laughs> closer like 10 minutes but then I got back on my feet and I got back in the game and yeah, yeah. and it happens well and I I know a lot of it is since kind of as a female you're not really allowed to verbally lash out or aggressively lash out mm-hmm. because of society that when you feel all those angry feelings, you just turn them back in more, and it usually comes out as crying because yeah. you can't yell it. I couldn't go up and punch Kevin Smith like as much as I might have. <laughs> no, that would have not been appropriate. Has he even... reached out to you at all? Mm-mm, not really. Right, right. Yeah. But he got, a, he got a lot of flack for it. Yeah, right? and he got a lot of support. Different people feel different things as they're entitled oh. to. But yeah, he did get a lot of flack for it. And I feel badly. I keep bringing him up. I'm sorry, Kevin Smith. I'm not trying to keep bringing him up. I just... I mean, it's, it's just a, very funny. A, it's a moment in the show that's really funny. It yeah. is. And just to look at from now that I'm emotionally distanced from it, it's hilarious to me. Sure. So as a, so as a, as a woman and like... A, like you, you know, you have all these all these young women who are assertive and, mm-hmm. um, and I, I also like relate to you on a on like a f- feminine level because I feel very I feel very feminine. You're very mm-hmm. like feminine and, yeah. um, and then also like but but we, you know, you have like a, like an assertive personality male, yeah. an assert- assertive personality and an mm-hmm. like like you like an assertive like male quality not mm-hmm. to call you a man no that's anything, totally but, fine no i completely but you're not yeah. like you're not like jessica rabbit you know yeah i kind of i kind of like to think that I, I look like a girl and i communicate like a guy in a lot of ways right <laughs> which is why i'm usually like normally when girls talk to me about relationships they go geez Genevieve, you're too pragmatic you're just not romantic at all and like, <laughs> well, this is the girl who sat down and analyzed what got a guy to come up and talk to her yeah. and then it did it and i mean like <laughs> it works for me but yeah i definitely have kind of a masculine quality. And I think, though, that the girls, the young girls, that's kind of what the best part has been. Honestly, when we went to WonderCon and all the moms with the teenage daughters oh. coming up and I never thought of myself really as a role model. And I yeah. feel kind of guilty because I feel like I'm not a good enough role model. But it's nice to have somebody who says, look, it's so good that they can see that you can pick and choose what you like. You can dress like a girl and be mm-hmm. really feminine in that way, but that doesn't mean you have to be a totally submissive personality. You can still yeah. be assertive and like what you like, or you can, you know, I like to wear Batman t-shirts and jeans one day and get super dressed up in something really cute and girly the next day. I mean, yeah. 
That's great. Just, I, I, I don't mm-hmm. think that I don't think there are enough women like you that are represented on television. So it's mm-hmm. it's it's great. And yeah, like you're saying, you did it totally accidentally. Accidentally, <laughs> I just put it in. I decided it was too much too much work to try and be the sweet thing all the time. I tried for one day, and I thought, eh. Someone's got to be the leader around here. Fine. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Yeah. I noticed, I noticed that transition. Be, yeah. Like in that first episode when you were cute, like I, I, mm-hmm. I, I found myself, um, like a kind of, and I think it's, I think it's because it's something that I see in myself sometimes, but mm-hmm. like, but found myself kind of irritated with your, with your entrance a little bit mm-hmm. only because it seemed it's, it seemed like you were holding back from something or like, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, yeah. And I was trying to be, I was trying to play it low key and to be the sweet girl because I knew when I was myself, that's normally when other <laughs> 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 people, but eventually after, yeah, after a day or two, I thought that's just too much work. I'm just going to be me and see where it goes and see how far I can get just being myself. And I don't know if my fellow contestants liked it any better, but it was a lot easier for me. I can't imagine having to go through the entire time being sweetsy sweet Genevieve would have been. <laughs> yeah. When we, when we started doing that, um, the documentary, like I never, I never, um, held back from being mm-hmm. myself really. Well, and I was with a bunch of people I, yeah. I knew, but I definitely like in the beginning, um, which is one of the reasons why I'm worried about it is that I like whenever I was upset about something or affected by something, I just, you know, like really swallowed it up. And I was like, I'm mm-hmm. at, everything's fine. I'm having a great time. <laughs> <laughs> or, like Dan would say something like kind of not not mean or like would say something that would kind of bother me. And I'd be like, oh, whatever. And then we'd just have a breakdown. <laughs> just like occasional then just so if you're watching the footage it's like Jesus like something <laughs> is happened. that kind of I wonder if that's just being on TV at all though because you internalize you don't want to be seen in a negative light and so you're yeah. constantly monitoring your output personality wise but at mm. some point or another you're gonna have to let it all out and oh yeah how was that how long did they film for your documentary uh we did some filming for about like a, it was maybe three weeks before we went on the road, mm-hmm. like just occasional like interviews or like he would, yeah. Neil Berkeley, the filmmaker would come to, or the director would, would come to events and stuff or like film Harmontowns. But then we were on the road for 20 days or something. Wow, so that was, about as long as I did. That's. It's a long time. That's a long time. Yeah. I did. I learned that, um, even though I was being myself, like every, every time that I watched, a reality show up until that point, I always assumed that most of the personalities were manufactured. But I think Mm -hmm. like, I mean, I I believe that there are people who are able to do that. I also think those people are psychopaths, but I mean, I think you have to be a psychopath to do it. I thought it was just like some weird choice, like something, but it is, it is terrible being filmed constantly. It is awful. And well, I was fortunate in that I was in a situation where we could kind of forget it. You know, you kind yeah. of forget that they're there, yeah. but it is. You realize that, it, that, like I said, they can boil you down to your core personality, but they're not going to change it. And that's, I always thought somebody like Richard Hatch or something, you know what Yeah, I mean? yeah. But yeah, they are who they are. I mean, it's, it's comforting and they scary to hear you say yeah. that, like, you know, you're essentially you like they mm-hmm. that's that comes yeah. through. I mean that's it that's a good thing 
I regret a lot of Yay. the drinking on that trip. A lot of the drinking. Oh it's a lot of like, because we were doing so many shows and so, oh, I'm not going to excuse it. No, but you guys always drink on your show. That's your shtick, right? On Harmontown, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's our shtick, yeah, is you drink. Yeah. That's <laughs> the joke and the tragedy of and the People show. like you better when you drink. <laughs> Not you in particular, but I'm just saying people in general, if they, you know, when you're the sober person in the room, you get the side eye. Right. right. <laughs> and um, that's so you through. are a writer. Yes. And you write a fantasy. Yes. Fantasy fiction, correct? Yeah. Um, what What do you urban like? fantasy technically? But what yeah. do you say? Oh, urban fantasy. Urban technically. fantasy. Yeah, just so what does what does that mean exactly? Oh, it just means that you have a modern day setting and then you bring in fantastical elements. So Buffy the Vampire Slayer is a good oh, example okay. of an urban fantasy. And your um, your latest book, the book that you that you gave me, like what are what are the mm-hmm. What are the fantasy elements in that book? Okay, so the idea is it takes place in a little town in Texas called Medessa, and the fantasy elements is... My grammar is suffering. I'm sorry, guys. (laughs) The fantasy elements are that in this world, there are angels and half-angel children. So the girl finds out she is a half-angel. Spoiler! And which is a Nephilim, and she has to fight the four horsemen of the apocalypse cool. to keep the end of the world from happening. But there's a lot of conspiracy. All the uh, all the books in the series involve her having to forestall some sort of apocalypse and <laughs> there being a mystery at the root of it. That's exciting. So why why it's a angels? lot of fun. Uh, I gosh. And it's really terrible because there are a ton of books about Nephilim right now. But at the time, there hadn't been very many. And I had been thinking a lot about this everything that I didn't like about a certain vampire book that came mm-hmm. out for young women and how it was I felt very harmful to young women in a lot of ways. And I was also living in Odessa, Texas at the time. We had gone down there for a four-week trip and it had turned into two months. And I was going crazy. And one night I had this dream that later became a scene in one of the books where I was a character who was half angel who had to save my friend from the devil. So it kind of just grew into it. Wow. What other dreams do you have? Oh, my (laughs) goodness. You have no idea. I have the weirdest, like... I have a great tendency to just dream a full movie or a full book or something, and it's really elaborate. I'm almost never in my own dreams. They're always third person with... I've been guys in my dreams a lot. Interesting. (laughs) So I have a lot of bizarre dreams that are... Just full stories, start to finish. Do you write down your dreams? Yes, I do. And they usually become... Like, one of... I had a dream once recently about living in this haunted house during Victorian... Uh, England and that's I wrote all that down and that's coming up book next so that's my oh, current awesome. project that's very so, exciting. yeah those are good jumping off they're good jumping off points sometimes though you know they say to always keep a pen and paper by your bedside table mm-hmm. and I have found that when I do that I wake up in the morning and there's three pages of gobbledygook <laughs> so they always say do that and I had one time I was working on a story and I was really stuck and I went to sleep thinking about it because I thought if I if I go to sleep thinking about it I'm going to wake up with the solution to this plot problem sure enough in the middle of the night I woke up and I'm like I figured it all out and I wrote down two pages of how to fix everything that was wrong with the story and then I went back to sleep 
just happy because I'd solved it. And the next morning I woke up and I'm like, this is great. I solved every problem. And I looked at the notebook and it was the most ridiculous <laughs> stuff. It was like, and then a demon from another dimension pops in from time traveling and tells them this, but this is not good. <laughs> It was only in my dream that it was good. So I'll admit there's a lot of filtering to take it from the inspiration, too. But, yeah, I just had a lot of inspiration from living in this tiny town in Texas and what it must be like to grow up and feel trapped there. And it's kind of this Bible-thumping area of the nation, so I really wanted to incorporate some of the biblical mythology I'd grown up with and... Is the, the is the heroine you? No. No. She's much nicer than me. <laughs> <laughs> she's really a sweetheart, but she's very naive. Um, kind of take takes a lot from 19-year-old me, but still not 19-year-old me, because I think 19-year-old me would probably punch her in the face. Be like, come on, <laughs> smarten up, you moron. No, but, so. Uh, right. so what's so what's next for, for Genevieve Pearson? Right now, while I'm working on my book Mm -hmm. called The Dark Sister, which is a gothic Victorian, I kind of mentioned, and the idea for that book is what if after Pride and Prejudice, she found out Mr. Darcy was a serial killer. So there's kind of this gothic horror element to it. And continuing working on my Silver Tongue series, which is, yeah, that's the one you mentioned. So that's Revelation, Song of the Silver Tongue, and Genesis. So I've got the next book in that series to finish. And yeah, a lot of fun. Oh, i also going to write a documentary. So my friend, Sweethearts of the Gridiron. What is and that about? So that's really fun. Again, Texas. I have a lot of ties to Texas, you'll notice. But one of my filmmaking friends got the funds together and there's this tiny town in East Texas called Kilgore and they have a group of girls called the Rangerettes who dance through the halftime show and they are the longest running dance drill team in the nation and they actually kind of pioneered the whole idea of the halftime show for football games and everything so it has a lot of fun history and it's this teeny tiny town that all these girls from everywhere travel to so that they can be part of the rangerettes and they're amazing like the discipline and the camaraderie and these girls just form these amazing relationships so we're writing a documentary about that we're about three weeks into filming wow so yeah awesome Well, I haven't done much yet. (laughs) I've just been outlining and looking at footage. Yeah, well, that's very exciting. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. That was the show, everybody. Um, Check out Before You Were Funny. Check out Genevieve Pearson. Um, This Feels Terrible has a Twitter account that is maintained by the fantastic Caitlin Kelly. And also myself, I tweet on there too. Um, that's at uh, feels terrible. Also, this is a personal request. I am about to bring a young dog into my house that has an old cat already living in it. I've been reading a lot of stuff online about how to um, how to do this and how to do it without the cat stressing out or leaving or hiding forever if you have done 
that before or have any tips. I keep, I'm researching a lot of stuff online, but I keep on finding a bunch of different things. And I would love if a listener had some ideas. If you, if you have done that before, please email me at thisfeelsterrible at gmail.com. Um, please keep on reviewing the show on the iTunes. Uh, we're back on track. I promise. I promise we're back on track. I promise I am no longer spiraling, um, at least for a little while. Um, those of you who are doing uh, I Love My Terrible Body, we're going to find a new forum. Um, that's all. I hope you guys have a new... I hope you have a new week full of new experiences, new friends. <laughs> well, not new friends. That's not necessarily a good thing. Um, <laughs> I hope you have a great week where you learn about yourselves and you are able to take that knowledge and apply it to your relationships and the way that you uh, treat people and uh, and and yeah skiddly do bop Verizon brings you Pay It Forward Live, a weekly live stream featuring big names in entertainment to support small businesses. Tune in every Tuesday and Thursday on at Verizon's Twitter or Twitch, Yahoo, and Fios Channel 501 at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific.